0: All right. Well, uh, last week, we finished up our seven churches in Revelation. Uh, if you missed any of that, you can, like Pastor Greg said, go online and listen. But today, we're going to focus on something called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And uh, this is an appropriate message for, for the day we live in, and we're excited. So, you got your Bibles? Ready to make the devil nervous? Yeah. Let's get it in the air. Say, this is my Bible.
1: This is my Bible. I can have. I can have.
0: What the Word of God. What the
1: Word of God.
0: Says I can have. Says I can have. I can do. I can do. What the Word of God. the
1: Word of God. Says I can do. Says I can do. And I can be. And I can be. What the
0: Word of God. With the Word
1: of God. Says I can be. Says I can be. Woo, you're holding power right there. Yes. I'm telling you. It's an amazing book. Father, we love you. We thank you for this precious word. And, Lord, we just speak to us through your word. And, Lord, God, just lead us into all truth. And, Lord, that we receive your anointed word into our mind, translates into our spirit. And, Father, it causes peace, joy, love, goodness, self-control to come through our being, Lord. We receive your word with gladness this morning. In Jesus' name, somebody said Amen. 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 All right. Let's get into this good stuff.
0: Hey, we're pretty happy parents today, aren't we? We are
1: very happy. We got. Happy, happy, happy. Happy. Because we got our daughters with us here. We got both
2: daughters in the
0: house. Give it up for Vanessa and Annick. Woo!
1: Some of y'all might not even know we had daughters. Just thought. (laughs) But there they are. Proof right there. We talk about them all the time. You know, that's kind of one of the problems with preachers is, you know, the the kids get talked about, but uh, um, just such a joy. Our daughter Anique is getting married this coming Saturday, and we're so excited for her and her husband and the life they're going to live, and uh, so we just believe in God for just great things, and uh, just, it's going to be awesome.
0: Yes, and our other daughter and her husband live in Phoenix, and so she's here helping her sissy get all ready for the wedding, so it's, it's a fun week in our household, right? Yeah. And I
1: was a little bummed when she decided to live in Phoenix, but, you know, it's really not a bad place because kind of when you're kind of done with Washington, <laughs> it's nice to go to Phoenix, right? So.
0: And go to the sunshine, although so, we've had a lot of sunshine here this summer, haven't we? It's been an amazing spring and summer.
1: So the title of our message this morning is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, and uh, it's a great song that we used to sing back in the day. And there's a new song, right? But it's really appropriate today because there's so many things to distract us from what's really important when we're thinking of spiritual things. And the enemy, he'll either try to stop you or push you, whatever it takes to get your eyes off of Jesus. And so, uh, in the day we live, it is very important we have our eyes upon him.
0: So, we're going to the book of Hebrews And so we're in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, keeping... I'm just reading part of the verse here, and we're going to go back and and get all of it. But the gist of that, verse 2, is keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. That's out of the NLT.
1: Right. And so just to give you a little history about the book of Hebrews, uh, it was written to believers.
0: Wait. Say that again. Because... I think sometimes we think turn your eyes on Jesus is just, oh, for those who are unbelievers, you need to know how to turn your eyes on Jesus. But this verse in Hebrews was written to believers. So is it possible that as a believer, we can sometimes shift our eyes off of Jesus? Well, obviously, because if he's writing to the church and he says it, then uh uh-oh, It is possible for you and me, if you are a born-again believer, to at times in your life begin to focus on something else other than Jesus.
1: Right. So, just let's back up even further about the book of Hebrews. So, how many love coffee here this morning? Coffee lovers? Well, God just encoded a secret message to us in the book, in the name, Hebrews. So... (laughs) So there's that, right? But yes, it was written to believers uh, who were very familiar with living for God, Christians, but they were in a time of persecution, and they were just like, you know, I'm not sure living this Christian life is really worth it. And so they were thinking about going back to their former lifestyle apart from Jesus. And so the author's point was you need to put Jesus in the proper place in your life so all the other things will come together that you're believing for because without jesus we can uh run empty
0: so give us a little history on what was going on during this time frame when this was written as far as the now in rome what was happening with nero and all that
1: yeah so the jewish christians living in rome at the time They were uh, under Emperor Nero, not a great guy. And uh, so from uh, 54 to 68 AD, uh, he was in power. And uh, so these Christians were living under that. But Nero wanted, he just, history says that he started a fire in Rome. And this fire took off and for 10 days was burning, uh, burned uh, about two-thirds of the city.
0: And why would he start a fire?
1: He started a fire because he wanted to circum, I mean, it's just like sometimes it's amazing what history teaches us, but he wanted to circumnavigate his Senate, Congress, if you will, the government, uh, because they weren't willing to go with his massive new building project that was designed in his image, so uh, he started a fire. He was an arsonist, and uh, this fire took off, and so he got to rebuild the city in his image after the fire, but... People weren't stupid and realized Nero, something suspicious about him, so they're starting to get some investigation. The things were pointing back at him, and so he had a plan, and his plan was those Christians. You know how they're against everything. Blame
0: the Christians.
1: They're crazy people, and so Christians... uh, the people believed the lie that the Christians were the arsonists because Rome was such a pagan place and the Christians were against all the pagan worship. So the lie took and so Christianity immediately became outlawed and Christians were hunted down and persecuted. And so this was where we find the Christians who are living in Rome are thinking, okay, it was fun and it was all fun and games until we're outlawed to believe Jesus, and now it's uh, we're being hunted. We can't participate in society. And, I mean, it was really, really bad if you study the history of how those Christians had to survive um, with that negative cloud on their lives.
0: So, they're in the middle of persecution when this letter is coming to them saying, turn your eyes upon Jesus, correct? Right. So, there we... Is it possible that Christians are being blamed for some current events? Yeah, it's quiet in here. There's a lot going on. And it is possible that in the midst of persecution, that Jesus' cry to the body of believers today is still, come on, fix your eyes back on me. When things begin to go Chaotic. Let's get our focus back on what he tells us to focus on. Now we're not gonna go there for time's sake, but y'all remember when Peter walked on water? I'm just gonna quickly are there. Are you alive this morning? Yes. Or is my online more alive? Okay, come on. I hear him yelling. I hear. Him. So when Peter was walking on water, he was fixed and focused on Jesus, correct? As soon as he looked at the waves or his current situation or the chaos or the what's going on, he began to sink. There is something to this that God wants every one of us to hear this morning, that when you get your eyes off of Jesus, what's going on around you begins to pull you down and you begin to sink.
1: Spoiler alert, right there. The gist of the message. Keep your eyes on Jesus Keep so you don't. Keep your eyes think. on Jesus. Okay. But it really comes down to something simple that we either believe God can, and we have faith in him that he can get us through whatever we're dealing with, or we believe he can't, and then we start looking in other directions. So, um, you know, and we're living in a day today that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24, where there will be uh, deception. Is there deception today? I mean, people don't even know what gender they are. It's just crazy. So, uh, deception, uh, wars, rumors of wars, uh, racial tensions, famines, pestilence, earthquakes. Did you know the United States right now has got four active volcanoes going off right now? Crazy. And uh, my daughter's trying to do a honeymoon somewhere, and Thank you, Miss Hurricane, coming through. And so, just crazy stuff. And Jesus said, when you see these things, know I'm about to show up. And so, we're living in a day where there's so much coming at us in the news that, uh, I mean, pick what you want to be upset about because there's a lot of options <laughs> to, uh, to get us all upset. But Jesus said, when you see these things, actually count it all joy, And he's saying that, keep your eyes on me through the turbulent times, because I'm going to get you through turbulent times. If you think we're going to get through this season to a better utopia in America, I just want to tell you, according to Scripture, it's not going to happen. So, these are the times. My name is Greg. I'm Greg. My parents prophetically named me Greg. Because my name means watchman, and a watchman sounds the alarm when the enemy is coming. And so, I'm sounding the alarm. Get yourself ready and keep your eyes on Jesus.
0: Uh, You know, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, we are going to go back to Hebrews, but I want to read to you something that Paul said to Timothy. And Paul was a mentor to Timothy. Timothy looked up to Paul, and he said… And this
1: is in the time of Nero.
0: Yes. So 2 Timothy 3, 14 says, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from your childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God, and it is useful to teach us What is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work.
1: He opens up, if you caught that, Timothy, you must remain faithful. Everyone say that. You must remain faithful. Because when things are so. First Timothy, we, as we studied in Revelation, the church of Ephesus was a mega church. What was it? 30,000 people. So Timothy's the pastor. He's like, Paul, how do you do this? So it's all a bunch of leadership stuff. Second Timothy, persecution happened. People are fleeing for the weeds and trying to get out of Dodge. His church is literally evaporating before his eyes, and he's saying, Paul, help me. How do I keep this thing together? Uh, just to be associated with you could cause persecution. And so Paul writes back in Second Timothy, he says, you must remain faithful.
0: So good. Okay, we're going, going back to Hebrews chapter 12. Let's back up. So I read to you part of verse 2. Let's, let's back up to the beginning of the chapter in verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We gotta keep running, don't stop, remain faithful. And these are, these are ordinary, okay, so I'm not gonna read to you the whole chapter that precedes that, but chapter 11, if you're familiar with your Bible, Hebrews chapter 11 goes through all these heroes of faith from the Old Testament. It goes over story, over story of heroes of the faith. And then we start in chapter 12. It says, keep running. These are a cloud of witnesses that have gone on before you and are cheering you on.
1: I've done a little bit of running in my life. And, uh, you know, there's a, a point where you hit that wall, where you're running, where and that wall is just almost debilitating because you're running and you're trying to get over that wall. You know you're up against that wall, but at that wall, when you're running or doing any kind of athletic thing, you hit that wall and you're just like... I really want to quit. I think it would be better if I quit. I want to quit. My feet hurt. My back hurts. My arms hurt. I can't breathe. My heart's about to blow out of my chest. This is not fun. Why am I doing this? Why have I spent all this time? This is stupid. This is so stupid. This doesn't mean anything. This is dumb. I hate this. I hate my life. I hate everybody right now because this is stupid. My wife was right. Why am I doing this? I don't know. This is dumb. So you hit that wall. But, you know, a lot of times in races, there's people that are around, and they're, keep going, man, you've got this, you can do it. And you know, sometimes it's just those voices, okay, I can take one more step, and one more step, and you keep going, and pretty soon you blow through that wall, and it's kind of like, uh, they call it a runner's high, and you just feel like, man, I can go forever. This is the greatest thing. And you know you're delirious, but you're loving it, and it's fun. (laughs) But this is really what he's talking about these people aren't having fun it's challenging why am i why am i going to church why why do we have to read why do we pray is jesus real and the people who have gone on before us are going man if we did it you can do it keep going and what's cool about the chapter 11 is it's ordinary people who did extraordinary thing based on one thing, the decision that God can and he will. And so they press through, and he's encouraging us, encouraging them, keep going. You got this.
0: You know, and then as that verse goes, did you see where it said to strip off every weight? Strip off every weight. Now, I'm not a a big NASCAR follower. You know, I know there some of you. Who are NASCAR followers in this place? Come on. Come on, give me a shout out, I can't see all your hands. Okay, so, but as, as my husband and I were, were doing this sermon, he goes, I've got the illustration for stripping off every weight. If you are a NASCAR and you are racing and we are all in this race together called life, I've never seen a NASCAR car with a trailer attached behind it. Why? It's going to slow them down. So the scripture here is saying, get rid of the things that are slowing you down in your journey of running the race, the spiritual race race of winning with Jesus Christ. What do those weights look like? Those could be a variety of things, couldn't they? You
1: know, and these people... They were very familiar with the Old Testament Scriptures. They were familiar with the children of Israel leaving Egypt and, and, you know, going through. And so they knew all that. They knew their history. And so when he says that, lay aside every weight, you know, the analogy really is the children of Israel left Egypt. It was an 11-day journey to the Promised Land. Does anybody know how long it took them to get to the Promised Land? Forty freaking stinking years. And why? Because they had weight that slowed their journey down from 11 days. They just loaded themselves up with stuff instead of just being a quick two-week journey. Forty years later and a lot of heartache and death and people didn't make it. Why? Because they got into idolatry. They believed God couldn't. And why did He bring us out here? And this is all stupid. And so they got into idol worship, sexual debauchery, uh, uh, jealousy, divisiveness, racial tensions. They loaded all these things up, and they whined, and they complained. And God goes, okay, you want to hang? Hang. And so they did. And that's a warning to us. Believe God can. He will. He is. And he does. And get rid of some junk.
0: let's get rid of some junk. Everybody say get rid of some junk. Then it says, run with endurance.
1: Especially the sin.
0: Yes. So let's, I want to read out of Galatians for this. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Okay, poke your neighbor and say, don't give up. It is a biblical thing. I mean, I have been a coach in my life and said these words. If you're in the military, you have heard these words. You may have had a great teacher in your life who has said, don't give up, don't give up, keep trying. But do you know that that principle is biblical? That the word of God is telling you today, don't give up. You may be facing some negative situations, but don't give up.
1: You know, and so when we go back to Hebrews 11, that precedes chapter 12, uh, we find people like Noah in verse 7 of chapter 11. And it's, it's amazing because you remember Noah? He built a boat, took him approximately 75 years to build an ark. Building a boat for 75 years.
0: Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. He didn't even build the boat, dear. and this was the giant boat that you didn't hook up to a car, you know, and you put it, go, you know, yep. load it into the water. We're talking a giant boat that you couldn't hook up to a car, and it wasn't even remotely near water. Can you think about that? Do you think how crazy people thought he was?
1: I like, mean, he had uh, real estate. Nice boat. You know, Where's the water? Real estate venture people saying, man, this is kind of crazy out here, this boat thing, but it's really cool if we turn this thing into a casino. It's uh, we we, got potential. But, uh, but the Bible says Noah was a preacher of righteousness in a day of persecution for following God. And the Bible says he didn't have one convert. Talk about discouraging but he kept his eyes on Jesus and finished his course. Do you
0: think it's possible that today there are some uh, things that we hold dear to in the Word of God that society would say, are you crazy? Are you nuts? Anybody experienced that? And you're holding on to what the Word of God has told you, but those around you are like, that's weird. Well, do you know that you have a cloud of witnesses, according to Hebrews, Noah being one of them, who is cheering you on, going, hey, I know what it's all like to be told that's weird. I've been there. I'm cheering you on. It doesn't, don't, don't listen if they tell you that's weird. You hold fast to the word of God with endurance.
1: And then in Hebrews 11, we talks a lot about Abraham who uh, had a promise, got a promise at 75 years old and he believed God, and nobody in his family or community went to church or knew God, but he heard from God, and he got a promise. So, he hung on to that promise, Believe God is faithful to make that promise come true. But you know what? He waited 25 years, waiting. You know, you can get discouraged. Waiting
0: How many have ever been discouraged waiting? For the rest of you spiritual people, my hat is (laughs) off to you. I have to admit, there have been times in my life when, in the middle of waiting for something, I've gotten discouraged. And, you know, the the funny thing about Abraham is what he was told about having children. I'm sorry, but at 75, I would have laughed. I would have thought that's the funniest thing. But, Then to keep waiting 25 years after that? Are you kidding me? Are there some things that God has given you as a promise that don't even remotely look like they could ever happen? Well, then you're in good company. Abraham's in heaven cheering you on. Yes, he is. You have a cloud of witnesses. He's saying, come on, stop thinking it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Get rid of that doubt and unbelief. And believe God
1: yeah and then we talk about Moses in uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews and it's it's interesting Moses life was in thirds the first 40 years he was he was in Egypt you know the son of Pharaoh's daughter uh, the next 40 years he was working for his father-in-law out in the desert herding sheep and the next 40 years he was leading two million people through the wilderness but in those those first 40 years is kind of interesting because he had, he knew he was a child of God. He knew he belonged to God. And he decided though I live in a palace, though I drive a Lamborghini, I got the best clothes, I, I have view property, I, everything here I have jurisdiction over. The Bible says he refused all that, all the worldly goods and possessions and decided to be associated with the slaves, the Jewish people in Egypt, and he decided to be associated with them than all the riches of Egypt. And God saw that as, as amazing, and it qualified him to do extraordinary things. That Moses himself was just like, dude, God, you got the wrong person. I'm not the one. But if you'll remain faithful to the things of God even though you may not understand his plan, you just know he is good and he's got you, I'm telling you, you will never, ever, ever, ever regret it.
0: So let's talk about how we can run our race in the middle of tough times. Let's go back to Hebrews and let's, let's read that whole verse too. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, Because of the joy awaiting him, wait, I I want you to, to really hear that. Because of the joy awaiting him, what was awaiting him? The cross. Does that sound joyful? He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Pastor Greg, can you explain a little bit about because of the joy awaiting him. Like, a lot in this room are probably like, I don't get that.
1: It's a lot to take in, honestly. you got to remember also, the book of Hebrews wasn't written in chapter and verse like we have it today. So, really, Hebrews chapter 11, honestly, could be, include this section because he's talking about the heroes of faith, and then he ends that thought with, let me tell you about the faith of Jesus Christ, who... Though he endured the cross, there was something before him that was motivating him. By faith, he went through the beatings and the cross and the shedding of blood and the crown of thorns on his head because he saw you. He saw you redeemed. He saw you with a, a history that's rewritten. He saw you getting out of the devil's trap of eternity and hell and enjoying heaven he saw you with having authority over the devil's plans and schemes on your life. He saw you blood-bought, blood-covered, clothed in righteousness. He saw you new and redeemed, living a life that you are entering into his fullness. And that was the faith that Jesus had that it caused him to endure the cross because he saw the victory that you and I would possess and could possess.
0: I don't know about you, but that is mind-blowing to me that he was filled with joy going to the cross because of me, because he saw me, he saw me redeemed, he saw me forgiven. Like, that's a whole lot of love. Am I right? Wow. Um, I want to read out of Philippians 3 and verse 13. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So Christ Jesus is, Endured the cross. He saw the end. He kept his focus. He kept his focus on God. He kept his focus on the joy set before him, which was us. Do you think it's possible that God is trying to tell us as believers that if we endure some things that go on around us, if we keep our focus, if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, that there is a reward at the end for those who endure. Yes! Yes!
1: Wow. How do we do this? How do we keep pressing? By keeping our eyes on Jesus. You know, He is working in us. Uh, there's a lot to distract us today. So much to distract us. And I'm reminded of Mary and Martha when they were, uh, Jesus was coming over for dinner, and uh, they were, were uh, busy, and, and all of a sudden Mary's just like, man, Jesus is here. And so Mary just got down at Jesus' feet and just, she was hungry to hear the jewels that came out of Jesus' mouth. What? And, and so she just, and, and it ticked Martha off. Jesus, do you see what's going on around here? I got some stuff to deal with and she's checking out and hanging at your feet. Tell her to get busy. And Jesus was like, um... Chill, Martha, because she's actually chosen the right thing. We can eat later. But what I'm telling you is precious and it will save your life. And so we're living in a time where it's easy to get the Martha mentality. Do you see what's going on? Lord, this is stupid. That's wrong. They're wrong. And Jesus is just telling us, settle down. I'm not caught off guard by any of this. I've, I've written this script, and the world is playing it out, but if you'll keep your eyes on me, I'll get you through all this turbulent stuff that you're dealing with, with governments and nations and COVID and pestilence and weather and taxes and whatever. Look at me. I got you. I got you. Get your Martha mentality away because it's not helping
0: you know, as we went through the series on the seven churches listed in Revelation, you know, they were going through a lot. Remember, my, my husband is a history buff, and he was giving you all the history behind what they were going through. Do you think it's possible that they could have got their eyes off of Jesus during some of all of we saw what they were going through? Do you think they were tempted? Absolutely. Do you think that today, as a believer that we are tempted to get our eyes off of Jesus. I mean, there's a lot going on. It might be a lot going on in your family. There might be a lot going, okay, so many of you know in my own personal family that I have a father who is at the end of life. I am the one that's, you know, got to make all those decisions for him. And there's a lot going on in my world with that, Um, constantly changing between hospitals and facilities and Tomorrow I have a conference call with a staff of people to make a decision. That's a lot going on in my world. Could I be distracted and get in anxiety instead of keeping focused on I can do this all things through Christ who strengthens me? You know, I've got that going on in the midst of a joyous occasion in my home. I'm I'm in the middle of a daughter getting ready to get married. And then let alone you turn on your TV and you know, there's that. (laughs) I mean, you name it, like Pastor Greg said, you got it going on. Do you think it's possible you go to school that you're going to have a lot of opinions going on about a lot of things? Do you think it's possible that you you could have some anxiety? Like, am I going to get caught in the crossfires? You know, this person believes this and this person believes that. This person's for for a mask. This person's not. This person's for the vaccine. This person's not. I mean, and then you got friends who, and their parents are in the middle of, I mean, are you catching my drift? How many opportunities do we have to be distracted and all of a sudden lose our focus? I have, I, and, and here as pastors, I have at times in my life allowed my focus to slip. But it's never worked out very well for me. I have walked with God a lot of years, and I'd love to tell you that I stayed focused all the time, and I kept my eyes on Jesus, and I never allowed anything to affect me. But I'd be lying. I have allowed at times my, the things surrounding me to either upset me, cause me to get angry, cause me anxiety or stress but I'll tell you what I have learned when I refocus and get my eyes back on Jesus. I'm telling you, there's peace because I know who's got my back. I know who's got me.
1: I mean, this is amazing stuff to keep our eyes on Jesus because it's so easy to get our heart hurt and offended. Jesus even said it's impossible to live life and not be offended. You will be offended. And there's all kinds of great opportunities to fall into offense. But Jesus said, keep your eyes on me. And so, a prayer principle is to come to God with thanksgiving. But in turbulent times, it's sometimes we come to God with griping and complaining. And Sometimes we, we see we got enemies that don't agree with the way we think Bible things should be done. And so, how does Jesus tell us to pray for people? He's, he doesn't say, curse them. I remember that Jesus was walking with the disciples, and there was people that the Jewish people weren't really fond of. And so, they're walking through this community, and the disciples just asked Jesus, Jesus, should we just call fire down from heaven and just smoke them? And Jesus was just like, hmm, you don't know what spirit you are of right now.
0: And that was disciples.
1: Yeah. And so it's, but it's, I I got that because it's easy to to feel that passion. And so we got to remember we got to pray in faith, not in fear. Fear of consequences, fear of the negative, fear of bad things happen, fear of judgment. we got to stay in faith based upon God's principles. So even when it comes to pray for the people we don't even like or agree with, He tells us to bless them. So we got to keep our eyes on Jesus because that just doesn't come natural to you or me. I'm, I'm on the disciple's side. Bring the fire. <laughs> Torch them. But that's not God's way. Forgive them. Bless them. And so sometimes when we go to prayer, we're not realizing what spirit we're of when we pray because we're motivated out of anger and fear and frustration. That's why you got to come to him with thanksgiving to just, God, I just come to you. You are great. You're greater than. You're bigger than. Your promises are eternal. This is all going to go away, but you and your word will remain forever. And I trust you and you've got to keep your focus on him, that he can, he does, and he will. Because when we start thinking, I don't think he's going to do it, then you start thinking of other options and you get distracted.
0: And there's examples of that in the Word of God, too, when people tried to come up with their own options because they got their eyes off of, oh, we mentioned Abraham, but his wife got her eyes off of Jesus and the promise. And, you know, it didn't look like it was going to happen. So she came up with her own way. Is it possible that today God has given you some words and you don't see how it's going to happen, so you're coming up with another way? You're making your own plan because I got to do something. Man, I'm telling you, don't take your eyes off Jesus, and don't listen to anything that is contrary to the word he originally gave you. Go back to your last word from God. I don't know who that's for, but I hope you really cling to that. Maybe it's even someone listening to me yeah. right now. You know, don't get in disobedience because you don't see it happening, so you're going to come up with your own way. And disobey God. So Man, bad. I want to leave with Philippians.
1: Yeah. Philippians six. Check this out. This is just oh, so good as we just focus on him. Philippians, let's read it.
0: And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns.
1: I love that. The work he began in you. Is he going to complete it? Are you going to allow him to complete it? Would you just stand at this time? I'm just so excited for Pastor Starlene. And Could
0: I have an usher um, and help Tracy. me with the table and chairs?
1: If you'll just come on up here, Tracy. They're going to sing a, a song.
0: Oh, you know, Pastor Greg mentioned at the very beginning of our message, you know, we, some of us that have walked with God have, and Tracy and I both have walked with God for many years. We know of a song called, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. But as we begin to sing this song, I'm fully aware that there are people that can be watching or in this room who you're, you've strayed away from God and you are not right with God. And Today's your day to, to make that happen. I also am fully aware that there are individuals in this room that the Holy Spirit is knocking at your heart. And you're a believer. You're, you're, you're a Christian. You're like, I, I've accepted Jesus. But he's knocking at your door saying, you're, you're focused on something other than me. And I still want to be number one. You know, I just encourage you as we sing this song, if you want to right where you're at, you just want to get alone with God or you want to come up front as an act of, God, I'm saying I'm all in. I'm fixing my eyes on you. You can worship at the front. You can kneel. You can stand. I don't really care. I want you to focus on God this morning to get your focus back to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence in this place. Oh, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for knocking on our hearts and teaching us. soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness
2: you see. But just one look at the Savior.
0: Is life more abundant and free?
2: So just look up Help is on the way. Tell.
3: word forever unfailing His promise an anchor to hold. Here in the midst of your sorrow, His presence is healing your soul. So just look up Your help is on the way. Turn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for, look for in His wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim when you turn, turn your eyes upon Him. There is freedom, healing, filling this place In the light of His glory and grace There is freedom, healing, filling
2: this place In the light of His glory and grace There's revival, stirring, shaking Bible, it's stirring,
1: where we're just reminded in a crazy world to just focus on you that your love for us, your sacrifice is enough you've been faithful time and time again we put our confidence and our trust in you if you're here this morning and you're not right with the Lord Jesus Christ we want to give an opportunity, maybe you're watching online today's a day you know, the, the current events, I just got to say this because it's, it's, it's rattled us what's gone on in Afghanistan. But as I've read through the book of Revelation and, and Ezekiel, there's a plan. The Bible talks about a two million man army coming in and marching in into Israel. Afghanistan had to be opened for this prophecy to be fulfilled. We're seeing the Bible prophecies fulfilled right before our eyes. And so what has happened is biblically prophetic to allow an army to march right up to Jerusalem. So there's a plan. Sometimes we get caught up in the moment, but the bigger picture is this is it. And I say all that to say, it's time to get right with God because world events are proving the scriptures that have been written thousands of years ago are being fulfilled right before our eyes. And today is the day to get right with God. I don't know how many days we got. Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour. He didn't say year, he didn't say month, day or hour. So today's the day we need to get right with God. And if you've not received Jesus Christ as your personal savior, or you need to get right. Get under the blood. Get forgiven. Today's the day. So I'm going to count to three, and Pastor Starling is going to lead us all in a prayer. There's no greater riches than to know Jesus. One, Jesus loves you. He's been chasing you. He's been wanting you for himself. Two, you just need to surrender, get your eyes on him, shut the lies of the devil. And three, you need to respond right now. Raise your hand in this place. Oh,
0: thank
2: you, Jesus. Praise God.
0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Church, would you pray this prayer with those who are making this for the first time or you're making a rededication? Say heavenly father.
1: Heavenly father. I thank you. I thank you.
0: For your precious blood.
1: For your precious blood.
0: That was shed for me. That was shed for me. For the joy.
1: For the joy of me. Of me.
0: You did it for me.
1: You did it for me.
0: And God, I thank you.
1: God, I thank you. Today. Today.
0: You are my savior. You
1: are my savior.
0: You're completely in charge.
1: You're completely in charge.
0: I surrender everything.
1: I surrender everything to you. To you.
0: And I ask that I would keep.
1: And I ask that I would keep
0: my focus. My
1: focus. My eyes. My eyes.
0: My spiritual eyes. My
1: spiritual eyes. On you. On you.
0: On the promise. On the promise. On the word. On the word. I don't look to the left or to the right.
1: I don't look to the left or to the right. I
2: look to you. In Jesus', in Jesus name. Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. 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 amen.